Thank you so much for that warm City Light welcome, and thank you so much, team, for playing. And I'm going to get you up in a, a few moments' time to play minor keys and uh, that make everyone feel like, you know, emotional, receptive, and responsive. And that'll be wonderful. Dan Leanne, born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. That's the reason my voice is this way. Mother and father Chinese. That's the reason my face is this way. And I do live in Anderson, South Carolina now. That's the reason I have type 2 diabetes and I drive a truck. And it's always an honor to come and serve my City Light family. And uh, I want to honor Pastor Jabin and Shannon. I really want, uh, and, and I got given 30 minutes, and there's a countdown clock up there, and there's a trap door up here, and as soon as that thing kind of hits zero, this thing's going to open up, and I'm going to be like a real kind of, you know, gospel ninja, and just like disappear before your eyes, but I need to take a minute to honor uh, the man and the woman of God who are so faithful to the leading of the Spirit. What you're a part of here is a miracle, and... Um, and I am so grateful uh, that God gave you as not only a gift to my family, um, but God gave you as a gift to the body of Christ. And the way you serve the body of Christ, the Big C Church, but at the same time um, serve this house with total and absolute dedication, focus, and excellence is breathtaking, it is skin-tingling, it is mind-boggling, and it is history-making, my friend. So we honor you and we love you. I, I've got a word that's just going to continue on with what we've been doing here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to talk about giving, so everyone can just like kind of uncl unclench. <laughs> but, but there's something that I feel um, is going to be really supplementary in the light of what Jesus has been doing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been lent into the series like y'all have been lent into the, you hear the y'all there? Uh, I've been lent into the series over the last couple of weeks taking ground. And, and, I, and I mean this, uh, the last four weeks have been about the most masterful example of teaching on kingdom giving as I've heard in my entire journey with Jesus and being in the house of God, masterful. And as I was uh, listening in on the messages after they went live online, I just kept hearing this word, the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit, deep crying out to my deep. And the word was legacy. The word is legacy. If you're taking down notes, write that word legacy down. If you have an iPhone or an iPad in your note app, write the word legacy. Google devices, Android devices, put them away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the message. You've got a spare bit of space on your thigh or your lower back you want to tattoo, tattoo the word legacy. I felt the Holy Spirit say, in amongst taking ground in this miracle offering, you're building a legacy. You're not just building a building. You're not just building an auditorium. You're not just building a place to house people. You're building a legacy. A legacy for your children, your children's children, and their children. A legacy for the city of Las Vegas, where the lost will be found, where the hurting will be healed, where those who are far away from Jesus will find themselves back at home with Him. 
legacy. What's a legacy? A legacy is simply the life you leave behind after you leave this life. Do do you know that God made you in such a way that you can live your life in such a way, you can engage in faith in such a way that something about you resonates in the earth well and truly after you leave this earth. Legacy is the life that you leave behind after you leave this life. And real talk, I've been thinking a lot about my legacy lately because I'm getting old. You know what I'm saying? I turned 46 in a couple of, 47, isn't it? I even lost count. In a couple of months' time, I turn 47. I don't, I don't look 47 because this, these Asian genes are treating me well. You know what I'm saying? They say, like, black doesn't crack. You know what I'm saying? Well, yellow only mellows. Unfortunately, white is a fright, but I'm aging. 47 years of age, I'm feeling old. My wife, Krista, and I are coming up to our 25th year anniversary. My daughter, Caitlin, is 19 years old. She's a freshman in college, and now she's 19. That means she's 14 years away from dating. My son, Josiah, is now taller than me and more muscular than me. And I'm getting old. When I look in the mirror, my wrinkles are getting thicker as my hair is getting thinner. I went to my first men's doctor's visit over the age of 45. And for those who are less than 45, men in the room, those doctor's visits after you're 45 become real interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to talk first? Like, do you want to cuddle a bit? I feel like I should know your name. Seriously, like, learn more about me because we're getting real intimate. You know what I'm saying? And... And so I'm old, and I'm taking stock. I'm thinking about the legacy that I'm leaving. The life that I'm living, the faith I'm engaged in, but also the life I'm leaving behind after I leave this life. I've been thinking about my legacy. I've been thinking about my days, as should you. That's the reason the Bible says in the book of Psalm 39, verse 4, Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting life is. Not to depress us, but to inspire us to make the most of every single day that is a gift, a portion to you, so that we can leave this life with a life that resonates. Teach us, Lord, how to number our days. Cool. 27,375. 27,375. Those are how many days the average person is given. Now, if you drink and you smoke, well, there's a good chance that you do that living in the city of Vegas. There's a few less days if you eat tofu and get your sleep like me and keep your fluids up. There's a few more days, but on average, we get given... 27,375. 
Where are my 20-year-olds in the room? Anyone around the age 20? Where are my younger people, my millennials at, okay? That means you've already lived about 7,000 of your days. You've got about 20,000 left, okay? But don't get too proud. Don't get too pompous. You know, it felt like yesterday that I was in your situation. You know what I'm saying, okay? Well, where are my people around my age? Mid-40s, 45, 46. Hey, we've lived, all right, about 17,000 of our days, we got about 10,000 left, less ahead than there are behind us. Sobering thought. Hey, where are my people like kind of mid-60s, late 60s? I'm not going to even mention the number. <laughs> All right? Suffice to say, come on, let's get living so that we can all be leaving a legacy that lives on. Teach us, Lord, to number our days. So here's the question. Cool, Dan. Okay, big guy who obviously does a lot of upper body work in the gym, but not as much on his lower body. How? How do I live a life that leaves a legacy? I want my life to resonate in a God-glorifying way. How do I make sure that I spend whatever days are left for me in such a way that I leave a glorious legacy. How? Well, every single time I have a question about how, I turn to the Bible. Because the Bible isn't an old book from back in the day. The Bible is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with us every day. And so I just went to the Scriptures this week, and I try to reflect on a time where someone who left a legacy talks about how he left a legacy. And I came across this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy was a letter written to a young pastor named Timothy from an old man named Paul. And Paul was responsible for not only writing the majority of the New Testament, but was really in many ways the pastor of the first century church. And here Paul, at the end of his life, is reflecting on his life Reflecting on the fact that he has only a few days left and reflecting on the legacy that he has left. And in these words, you're going to find some keys, some insights, some truths are going to help you leaving today. Come on, live a life that leaves a greater legacy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 the Bible simply says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Paul's like going, I've lived a lot of life, but this is it. I'm like a drink offering. I'm a splash of wine on the altar. It is here this moment. It will evaporate in the next. And the time for my departure is near. It's the final boarding call. I've pushed it for as long as I can, hanging out in the Sky Club lounge, having mimosa after mimosa. I can't wait any longer. The seat is waiting. The plane is departing. Now it's time to roll. Probably the last words that he pens in the Scriptures, and he's speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, the end is near, my life is done, the race is run, I've left a legacy, you leave a legacy too. My life will live on. I want your life to live on. The way I spent my days 
will resonate throughout eternity and will bring glory to God. Would you do the same? And this is how I left the legacy. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. That's my simple word for my City Light family here this morning. Coming through this season of taking ground, bringing our miracle offering, would you allow the Spirit of God to stir so deeply within your soul that you would live bravely with your days? And would you, at the end of your journey, look back at a life well lived and look forward into a legacy that you're going to leave behind? But you do it this way I fought the good fight, I ran my race, and I kept the faith. Three points, write them down. I'm not saying you need to take down notes to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? Could be like an open book test at the end. Could be a little bit trickier than you. I'm messing around. No, no, no. Don't don't write that down. Fight the good fight. You're fighting for something. Are you fighting the good fight? Your energy is being expended, trying to take some kind of territory right now. Is your energy being expended taking spiritual ground? Fight the good fight. You're all fighting for something. You know why? Because you're Americans and Americans love to fight. Think about your national anthem. That's the reason I love America. Any Canadians in the room here? Canadians in the room? I love Canada. I love the empire of Canada. I love it. But, you, but your anthem isn't super inspiring. Oh, Canada. It's like a, you know, it's like a, it's like, a, it's like waving the white flag, you know what I'm saying? Not the American anthem. It's a star, spangled banner, you know what I'm saying? It's waving, it's a dude in jail looking at a battlefield going, guys, there are bombs and there are guns and there are flares. Don't you let that thing hit the ground. That thing, you know what I'm saying? So we all fight here in America, but what are you fighting for? You fighting for market share? You fighting for that magical number in your head in your savings account that's going to define you as a success? Are you fighting for Instagram fame? Are you fighting for TikTok virality? What are you fighting for? Are you fighting for a political position? Are you fighting to impose your will? Are you fighting to make people see the world the way you see? What are you fighting for? You're fighting for something. The question you've got to answer is, are you fighting the good fight? I went and climbed a mountain recently with a bunch of Navy SEALs. Our church in South Carolina supports a lot of people who are returning and retired military. Specifically, bless you, one of the People groups that we serve are returning Navy SEALs. We have a a work called SEAL Future Foundation that is primarily funded and run out of our church, at least the South Carolina chapter. So we're doing a fundraiser forum. We're hanging out. I'm giving the motivational talk. At the end of it, there were 12 retired and active SEALs that were hanging around just thanking me for just my words of encouragement. But then they asked me if I would come with them up a hill the day after. The highest point in the upstate is a place called Table Rock Mountain. It's about a four-hour hike. And there's nothing that I want to do less. You know what I'm saying? I avoid cardio with all due vigor. 
You know what I'm saying? I go for a run at the beginning of every single summertime because you know, I, want, I want the abs to pop. But then after that first, you know what? I'm good with a couple of layers, you know what I'm saying? You know? But these guys bullied. Have you ever been bullied by a bunch of Navy SEALs? <laughs> Just sweat. So the day after, I'm, I'm there. Just so underprepared. <laughs> like in short shorts. And like, I'm like, it was like a hilarious sight. Anyway, we get to the top of the mountain. And um, I find myself sitting at the top of this hill. And what's really cool is Navy SEALs will tell you some war stories, some battle stories, if you give them a chance to tell you some stories. And we got into this kind of like show me your scars kind of top that story game. You know what I'm saying? So a guy like pulls down his shirt and says, yeah, I got my trap cut in half because we were doing an explosive entry and some shrapnel blew out of the door and cut my trap in half. Other guy pulls up his pant leg and shows me how he doesn't have an Achilles tendon because he got wrapped up in a parachute cord on a jump one time. And then they ask me, have you got any scars? I said, I got one scar. I've got a scar on my knee because I fell off some garden furniture one time when I was in college. <laughs> One day, you're going to sit in paradise with Jesus, surrounded by saints, and you're going to be comparing scars. And are you going to have a scar that says, you know what? I fought for my family. I prayed miraculous prayers, and the devil was terrified. And what I saw happen in generations past didn't happen in my generation. You know what I'm saying? Are you going to tell the story of I got... I took everything that God put into my hands and I threw it at the kingdom of darkness and I busted down some rusty old gates of hell and souls were saved because of me partnering. You know what I'm saying? Or you're going to go, oh, I got one here from kind of, I, I got into a really cool Facebook fight one time. And you know what? We went back and forth, you know what I'm saying? And we shared that kind of multiple videos, but I shared the last video and they couldn't return from that last video. You know what I'm saying? What kind of scars? Fight the good fight. Number two, write this one down. Finish your race. Finish your race. Everyone say your. Say your like an Australian. Your. Say your like an American. Your. Say your like my dad. Your. Taught your languages was a little bit racist. You know what I'm saying? Operative word, finish your race. Because Paul's saying, look, I fought the good fight. I could have achieved so much in this earth that would have marked me as a success through temporary eyes, but I locked in on a God fight. And my energy and my resources and my time, my talent, my treasure was all poured into extending the kingdom of God and I ran my race. Run your race. Do you know that you have a race to run? Walk, walk away with this, if nothing else, this morning. That the God of this universe did not make a mistake when he spoke you into existence. When he knit you together in your mother's room and designed you for a journey, he was exact and precise in his work. And he's got a race for each and every single one of you to run. Get your mind around that. That before you took your first breath, God took time to mark out a race for you to run. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, run now this race that's been marked out for you. He set the course. And you completing your race is all he's cheering you into. My, my, my son Josiah did a season of, was it track last year or the year before? Just such a brave kid. You know, Josiah moves out here, little Australian kid, dropped down in the south, and everyone's playing sports, so he goes to try to play football, and, and he runs track, and because he's a, he's a taller kid and kind of obviously muscular like his father, they thought, you know what, you could do like a 400-meter hurdle. That's a tough race, people. I remember the first time I went to watch one of these track meets. I had nervousness in my heart. My son had never run a 400-meter hurdle race before. He's never jumped a hurdle before. But I'm thinking to myself, maybe he's like a prodigy. Maybe there's like some, some kind of like, you know, just this supernatural grace about him, that, this undiscovered talent. And I love my son, but no shade. That first race, <laughs> he took off a little hard, first of all. You know, he went a little fast. And um, I remember talking to Weston about this. Is it Preston or Weston? Weston at Prestonwood now, yeah? So I'm talking to Weston about it. He's a, he's, a, he's a hurdles coach. I remember calling him and asking for tips for my son. Because Josiah, you're meant to like clear the hurdle for as little as possible. For, you know, like, he's like jumping over like two feet over every single hurdle. But he's off the first 100 meters, he's winning. I'm thinking to myself, this guy is a prodigy. He's going to get himself a full ride at college, no doubt. But then by the second hundred, like he kind of like you know, emptied his gas tank. So instead of clearing the hurdles, he started running through the hurdles. <laughs> by the end of it, I'm like, go, just finish this race, son. You know what I'm saying? And, and he gets across the line. I can't tell you who came first. I can't tell you who came last. My eyes were just fixed on my son. My heart was full of pride. And all I wanted him to do was to run his race. You have an Abba Father in heaven who isn't looking to the person to your left or to your right. He's saying, I love you, daughter of God. I love you, son of the God most high. And I want you just to finish your race. Now, it's hard to run your race in this day and age. In this interconnected social media time, it's hard to run your race. It's hard to feel like you're doing well when it feels like you were bombarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pictures of someone doing better than you. The spirit of comparison that is in the earth today, the spirit of comparison that the devil and social media is leveraging to have you not run your race is powerful, it's palpable. But you need to break that mentality of comparison, come on, and run your race. Full confession, I gotta fight it all the time. Doing what I do, I've never shared this story before, but the first time I met Jabin was about 10 years ago. And you were leading a youth ministry here in Vegas. I came out and preached. You told me after that I did a great job, okay? I remember feeling so like I never wanted to preach again because of just the transition you did and the fact that you broke out into song during that transition. <laughs> I've never told you this before. I was like so deflated. This has been running this Chinese funny guy thing for a while, a couple of biblical truths. Someone gets up on a keyboard. I thought my game was strong. And then I see you in the flesh. And he's like, hey, hey. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so no, I've never shared this before, all right? So right after that happens, I'm preaching in Australia right after at a really well-known church. I've only preached that one. That's the one time I preached there. I'd never been invited back. 
a really well-known church that, that may or may not be really well-known for writing music, okay, worship music, all right? So I'm doing a 6 p.m. gathering, and in my head, I'm like going, I'm going to be like that Jabin dude. So I'm telling him, this is how I want to finish the service. I want you to get up and start playing the keys, and I'm going to sing. <laughs> Pastor Dan, you can do it. I'm going to do it. I still remember it. So I'm preaching, and the sermon like, kind of went pretty good, but I thought, this is, I'm landing it. There was a song called, I, I'm Desperate For You. Remember back in the day? That was the song we were going to do. If you're desperate for Jesus. The only problem is, you, you have to start it like kind of on pitch. Because it's the, the first, it's such a long note. If you, if you out, you out. So I'm there, I remember this is it. I'm not throwing away my shot. This is it, all right? And, uh, uh, and then I'm just trying to find it. I'm desperate for you. And I'm like. But you know what I did? I just doubled down. <laughs> Took another deep breath. Tried. I tried again. I'm hitting till I'm happy. And I'm, I'm desperate for you. And I'm like. <laughs> I can still remember my friend. He's sitting in the front row. He's doing this. <laughs> Both hands. My purpose is small, but I am going to live it. My race is not impressive, but I'm going to run it. And if you would do the same, what is your race? Don't worry about the person to your left or to your right. Dad's watching you. What grace has he given you? What strength has he apportioned to you? What dreams has he released to you? Run your race. Thirdly and lastly, as the keyboards play, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep the faith. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, keep the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished my race. And I kept the faith. When Paul says, keep the faith, he's implying that you can exchange your faith for something else. You can exchange faith. Walking on the water, seeing the miraculous unfold. And you can exchange that for the formula that helps you find the path of least resistance. I read a little bit of the Bible. I pray every now and then on the way to work. I come to church every now and then. That's cool. But is that faith? I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of years exchange faith for fear. Their first thought is always how everything is crazy in the world around me. And I'm stressed out and I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed but you forgot the one who created the world around you. And he's saying, walk by faith. Keep the faith. Two words in my last two minutes with you. I felt the Holy Spirit impress this in my heart. There are some people here who over the last couple of weeks during the miracle offering stepped out and gave. But Holy Spirit's trying to ask you the question, did you give in faith? 
And this is not me shaking the tin again. This is not me passing the basket around again. This is just me being obedient to what the Holy Spirit put into my heart this morning. Whatever you do, come on, do it in faith. That mind-blowing, skin-tingling, stomach-churning, I don't know what's out there, but God, you out there, wherever you are, I want to be too, kind of faith. Keep the faith. The other, the other thing that the Holy Spirit was challenging me to say to you is that some people in this room, some people who are part of City Light Church, have seen the miraculous unfold in their journey. In seasons gone by because they stepped out in faith. I felt the Holy Spirit want me to tell you that you still have chapters to write. You still have territory to take. You still, come on, have adventure to engage in. Step out in faith again. That's why the Leans are here. In 2017... God told us as a family to leave the most livable city in the world, to go to the most unlivable state in America. We got told that we'd be able to go back every single year, kind of was part of the agreement. Since 2019, we've been locked in the States, not able to get back to Australia. My tears flow as my heart breaks, but I am not flinching because we are here by faith and we'll keep on walking in faith. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to dare you. I'm going to double dog dare you for all the seasons here at City Light. Keep the faith. Can someone say good amen to that? Simple word, legacy. Fight the good fight. Run your race. Keep the faith. Amen? So as we wrap up our time, I just want to do two simple things. Number one, if there's someone in this room with every eye closed and every heart open, if you're saying, Dan, I don't even have a faith. I've got religion, but I don't have a faith in Jesus. I want you to recognize that Christianity isn't about rules or regulations. It's not about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's about recognizing that God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. And if you would open up your heart to Him, He will enter in and He will walk with you all the days of your life. So if you're here right now and you're saying, Dan, I don't have any relationship with Jesus, but I want one. Can I just pray with you a simple prayer that is just receiving the love of God and the life that He has for you? So with every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're saying, I need a living faith and a friendship with Jesus, when I count to three, lift your hand where you are. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. Keep them lifted. Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Hands everywhere. Let's pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hands. Let's go. Dear Jesus, I open up my heart to you. Fill me with your life. Help me by your spirit to live a life of legacy. I turn away from my own path. I turn to you. I trust you. Amen. Can you put your hands together for those who lifted theirs? Wow. So cool. Come on, finally, everyone stand to your feet right now. I just want to speak a blessing. City Light Church, you've already changed the complexion of this great city. But my goodness, your children and your children's children will speak of life that they 
stepped into in the years and the decades to come. Come on because of the legacy that you leave. Lord Jesus, I speak a blessing over my friends. I thank you for your love that's in this room. I thank you for the life that courses in our veins that came straight from heaven's throne room. Help us by your spirit. Give us grace and strength to fight the good fight, to run our race. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep the faith. And everybody said, amen. Just praise him in the room right now. Come on.